Good morning. Uh, welcome to Blacknall. It's good to be together. If you're a visitor, I, we particularly want to welcome you and, and uh, are grateful that you will be with us this morning. Uh, excited that we get to remember uh, God's faithfulness to us. Grateful for Sarah for her faithful testimony. Uh, we need more, I need more of that in my life, of hearing a testimony of one another. And so grateful for the opportunity for that to happen this morning and hope uh, we can be that for each other. Uh, there is a black pad there in your pew, if you could sign that. That helps us know who's here this morning. And a reminder, too, if you have a particular prayer concern, there are prayer cards there in the pew. Please fill it out and put it in the box or give it to uh, Becky or, or Goody or myself, and we will pass that on to our, our prayer team. We are going through the book of Mark in our sermons on Sunday mornings, and we are in chapter 10. Verse 13, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, to the cross, and he is teaching his disciples on the way. We looked last week what he taught about marriage, and this morning we see what he has to teach to us about, about children. Listen to God's word to us. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. This too is worth the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yesterday, I got to participate in a photo shoot. Uh, Paul Chihamba, one of our elders, is a professional photographer, and his wife, he and his wife Andrea, were at our uh, at Lucy and Evans' house yesterday doing a, a photo shoot of our new granddaughter, Frances. Uh, do we have those 200 photos that we put up here? That uh... <laughs> it was fascinating to watch Paul at work. It was a two-hour shoot. Uh, I remember thinking, how do you take pictures for two hours, right? Well, I watched him work, and he photographed Francis from every angle. He focused close-ups of her tiny hands with teeny tiny fingers. He photographed her feet. He photographed her on her stomach, on her back. Lucy holding her, Evan holding her, Grandpa holding her. 200 photos that we are waiting to come up on the screen here, I think, would be a small fraction of the total number of pictures that he took yesterday. Well, this morning, I'd like for us to do a, a photo shoot of this scene that we read here in Mark 10. I want us to look at it from different angles, focusing on different people, on different parts of people. And our first shot would be of Jesus' face. People are bringing little children to Jesus that he, might just, that he just might touch them, right? And his disciples rebuke these parents. We don't know why they rebuke them, but, but we can guess. Jesus was busy. This was a, a crucial time for Jesus. He was on his way to Jerusalem. There's lots of conflict right now. The Pharisees are after him. Herod might not be happy with him. This is a crucial time for Jesus to effectively communicate his message 
So we really don't have time right now for these children to be interrupting this important work that Jesus is doing. Well, our camera is focused on Jesus' face. And verse 14 says that he was indignant. Jesus was indignant. The, the Greek word literally means grieved again. Jesus was grieved again because he can't believe his disciples still don't get it. Three years they've been together, and still they think that Jesus wouldn't want to be bothered by little children. He is grieved again because he had just told them back in chapter 9, when they were arguing about which one of them was the greatest, he had brought a child into their midst, and he held the child, and he said, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. He had just said that to his disciples. And here they are not welcoming the children but rebuking the parents for bothering Jesus. Whenever we read the Gospels, it's important for us to pay attention to Jesus' emotions. Part of why we read the Gospels is so that we get to know Jesus better. So when one of the Gospel writers shares with us Jesus' emotional response, we pay attention. We look at Jesus' face. We see his anger, his indignation, his frustration, because to rebuke the parents for bringing little children to Jesus distorts God's kingdom. His disciples are giving people a wrong picture of what God's kingdom is like. One commentator says that Jesus was exceptional for his touching of people. He physically touched people a lot, much more than was common in Jewish culture. And he touched more kinds of people than was common for a Jewish man. He touched the unclean, the lepers, foreigners, women, and children. He touched them not only to heal them, but as a tangible expression of God's unconditional love for them. James Edwards says this, he says, Jesus' personal touch of common people became a distinguishing mark of his, of his bearing and ministry. It also became an essential characteristic of the movement he founded, sparing it from the incipient, the beginning of hierarchy and elitism, whether professional or ascetic, so common a religion. And then Edwards quotes Adolf Schlatter, the great German biblical theologian from 100 years ago, who said, another gospel would have resulted, and not that of Jesus, and another church rather than his church had children been kept from Jesus, and had Christianity been made into something for men alone. Who is allowed to take Jesus' time and attention? If children are not allowed, then it is a different kingdom, a different gospel. There's a statement that I have heard a lot in various churches that sounds pious and sounds child-friendly. People say, our children are the church's future. Right? No, it's not right. It grieved Jesus again when we say that children will be the church someday. No, they are the church today. They belong as much as any of us. They don't have to wait until they grow up before they become a part of the church. When we make room for little children, we make room for all who are not the elites. We make room for all who would be marginalized. We communicate to all that you belong here. But if we don't welcome our own children, 
if we communicate that they do not belong here, that we don't have time for them, then how can the foreigner, the, the person from a different class or different ethnicity believe us when we say that they are welcome here? This is why we want to make it a part of being a member of Black Knoll. would be that you work in a nursery, all of us. We are a church that welcomes and cares for our children. This is what we do. Not just a select group of us who are good with kids. No, this is what Jesus did. And we want to reflect his kingdom, to be an outpost of that kingdom. So this is part of the, of the fabric of who we are, of how we are together. It's what our members do. The second shot of our photo shoot this morning in Mark 10 is a close-up of one of the little children brought to Jesus. In verse 15, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, right? Jesus said, listen up, this is important. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We focus on this little child because we have to ask the question of what Jesus meant by this. How are we to be like a little child? Are we to be innocent like little children? Well, now that I'm a grandparent and getting forgetful, I might be tempted to believe in the innocence of children. <laughs> but anyone who's been a parent can tell you that the innocence of children is a myth, right? <laughs> One commentator answers this question saying that children make no claims. They unselfconsciously assume their own utter dependence. They are not concerned about rank, status, and self-image. This is what Jesus means. And I think our psalm this morning gives us a picture of what it means to receive the kingdom like a child. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with things, with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. The kingdom of God is not built on achievement and status. It's built on grace. When we baptize our children, they do nothing to be received into God's kingdom. They make no promises. They don't have to meet some criteria. They're utterly dependent on God and his mercy, as is each one of us. For us to push that little one or any other one away, saying you are not important enough for Jesus and his attention grieves Jesus again. And then the third shot in our photo shoot is a focus on the hands of Jesus. Verse 16 tells us that those hands picked up those little children, held them, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. I want us to think about what Jesus did in this story, about this blessing. I want us to look at these hands from several different angles. I want us to define what we mean by blessing. What is a blessing? And then I want us to think about how we can bless. How we can bless our children as parents and as a congregation. How can we bless one another, each one of us, as children of God? So what is a blessing then? Gary Smalley and John Trent have written a book, The Gift of the Blessing. In it, they identify five basic elements to a blessing. They say a blessing includes meaningful touch, 
a spoken message attaching high value to the one being blessed. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing hand motions to help me remember. High value, right? To the one being blessed. Seeing a special future for the one being blessed. And then an, an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. And Smalley and Trent tell story after story, describe numerous research results of the powerful influence, first, of touch. But touch is not enough. Words are spoken. A message is given. We also attach high value to the one we bless. And we see a special future and make an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. This is what a blessing looks like. How then can we bless our children as parents and as a congregation? Well, first, I think we need to be intentional about meaningful touch. Some of you as parents I know have snuggle time, right? Times where you're just physically with your children, touching them. It is so important for the health of our children. At Blackville, I think one of the most important things we do on Sunday morning is pass the peace, right? And now it's only a, a fist bump maybe and not a handshake or a hug. But we are physically connecting, touching with each other. And I hope we do that intentionally with the children in our midst. That we don't just greet parents, but we make sure we greet. The other day I gave a fist bump to one of our children. I think they broke one of my knuckles. They were like, <laughs> man. That's important, right? In a world... Touch is important, but in a world where touch has become so sexualized, right, that there is only one kind of touch in our world, for us to demonstrate, no, there is a holy touch, right, that is not asking, taking anything from the other person, but it's just connecting in a holy manner is important. Can we teach that to each other and to our children? And then a spoken message is part that blessing? Can we be parents? Can we be people of encouragement? Can we be people who give specific encouragement? Not just, you're a great kid, right? But I really appreciate the way that you loved your sister just then and how you sacrificed what you wanted for your sister. That is a beautiful thing. Can we be specific in the way we encourage one another in the church? Can we Give word pictures, blessings in the scriptures. We look at the blessings of the Old Testament. Many times there is attached, you know, may they, with Sarah this morning, may she be like a tree planted by streams of water, right? There's a picture of what we hope for. Can we give those kinds of word pictures? It's a spoken message. It's, it's I've said this before, but it's why I, play this game that's not a game to me of making our children respond, right? When I speak to them, they should speak back, right? Because they are being spoken to, they're being blessed, they should hear that blessing. And we practice that. May the Lord be with you and also with you, right? A spoken message. And then we attach high value to one another. As parents, we make time for our children, right? Time one-on-one -on -one with our children, time focused time with our children, where we, we listen, right? We listen to what's going on in their lives, where we are present, where 
maybe for a few moments we put the phone away, right? And give them our full attention because they're people of high value. And can we do that with one another? Can we make time for one another? And then, fourth, do we see a special future? I think as parents, I don't know, I think we may do this <laughs> maybe too much. But I think naturally it's a good thing. I remember when Lucy, our oldest, was first born, we got, we got one of the books, you know, what you should expect in the first year of life, and by the third month this, by the sixth month this, right? And by the sixth month, I think you could expect her to have a fine pincer graft, like she could pick up a Cheerio or a raisin or something, right? Well, Lucy, at three months, had a fine pincer graft, right? <laughs> and Kim and I looked at each other and said, she's a genius, she's a genius, right? <laughs> we could just see the giftedness in this child, right? We saw a bright future for her because of just how phenomenal that was, right? And I suspect many of us here could give testimony to the impact of a teacher or a coach, someone besides our parent who said, you have a gift, you have an ability, you need to develop that, right? Can we be a church that does that for our children and for each other to see a special future? And then fifthly, can we make an, an active commitment to fulfill the blessing? Again, I think as parents, maybe, maybe I hope we do this. Nellie, Lucy had the fine pincer grass. Nellie, right, was a great swimmer, right? And she had the most beautiful butterfly stroke you could see, right? And so her coach said that. I don't know anything about swimming. Her coach said that. I thought, I can't even do the butterfly, right? I mean, uh, it looked great to me. But the coach said that. We thought, this is our kid. She's going to the Olympics, right? <laughs> and we made an active commitment. I drove her to swim practice with that best swim team at 5.30 in the morning, three, four mornings a week, right? We made an active commitment to help that blessing take place. As a congregation, will we make an active commitment to that blessing for our children, will we be in the nursery? Will we teach Sunday school? Will we volunteer with our young people? Blacknall is blessed, right? God can do great things through us. God has an exciting future for us as a congregation. Will we, each one of us, make an active commitment to be involved in what God wants to do, the special future he has for us? Finally, yes, we are to be a blessing to our children, to be a blessing to one another, to be a blessing to our neighbors in Durham and around the world. But let us never forget that we can be a blessing because we have been blessed. As we think about blessing one another, blessing our world, our Father has blessed us. He has blessed us with meaningful touch, right? By sending his Son into the world, in the flesh, to touch. He has blessed us with a spoken message of his word and scripture, of his specific words to us. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And he has attached us with a high value. For God 
so loved us, right, that he gave his only begotten son. And he has sees a special future for you and for us together. This kingdom of God that is coming. And then as Sarah gave testimony to, he has made and every day is making an active commitment to fulfill the blessing. Beloved, we have been blessed to be a blessing. Let me give you some homework this morning. Homework that I wish I had done. Last night I was thinking about this. I should have asked Beth Sully, Leslie Petrie, how can we bless our children to Blackburn? Why didn't I ask them that, right? I should have asked them that. They think about this all the time. So let me encourage you. If you see Beth, see Leslie, ask that. See Brad, Tanya, ask them. How can we bless our children? But not only that, ask that of each other, right? How can we bless each other? How can we provide meaningful touch, a spoken message, attach a high value, see a special future, make an active commitment, a blessing to one another, to Durham, to our world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is good news for us to see you grieve again when children are kept from you, knowing that you would want us to come to you too, no matter how we feel about ourselves, no matter what condition we are in this morning, that you want to bless us. And so, Lord, we pray that we might receive the blessing you have for us. And, Lord, we pray that you might help us as your people to be those who bless those around us. Particularly, Lord, we pray for our children, for those little ones, for our young people, Lord, those you have entrusted to us. May we indeed be a blessing to them. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.